What's up, fools? This is Nigel McGuinness. This is Ring of Honor's Adam Cole. This is the king of old school, Steve Carino. This is Nick and Matt Jackson. What up, what up? This is your boy, ATH. This is the undisputed Burger King, Steve Burger. Hey, this is TJ Perkins. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mike Bondo. This is Bobby Fish, one half of Red Dragon. This is the hit book, Red Titus. And you're listening to the ROH Podcast. Or is it ROH Cast on ROHworld.com? They say they made all podcasts equal. They were wrong. These three guys are something like FBI agents. Be careful. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 103 of the ROH Cast. My name is Harry. I am the web designer and co owner of ROHworld.com, and I have some. Great news for all of you. That's right. The A-Team are back. It's myself and John. He is known as the American Bearded Nightmare. And he's my fellow member of the ROH Cast A-Team. I'm not sure if we're the A-Team anymore or the only team. Because I think Steven is never coming back at the moment. <laughs> Uh, he could be right. I mean, we we provided we've been providing the RH Cast Force with weekly updates on Stephen's location and status. First, he he left to he announced it live on the on RH Cast 100 that he was leaving to partake in a pants off dance off world tour, and then he you know he never came back from that. He actually went into exile off the coast of Ghana due to illegal stuffing during that competition, which was discovered. And now, John, I believe you have a, another update for us on, on you know, the, the whole Steven situation. Yes, he was actually going to be on today's episode. He was on his way to the ROHCast studios, the beautiful and luxurious and state-of-the-art ROHCast studios. But uh, we saw that there were outraged pants-off, dance-off fans outside the studios picketing. And we were afraid of his safety, so we told him to stay away from, mm. from the studio for today. And he asked, you know, he wanted to be on today's episode so bad. He asked if he could actually call in. And we told him for his safety again, no, because we're not sure what these people are capable of. We're not sure if they could triangulate his phone calls or what. So for his safety, yeah. he is not appearing on today's episode. It's, it's not worth the risk of getting him here in the studio or even calling in, to be honest, for, for his own health. So we've asked him to return to a, an unspecified location for the time being until it is safe for him to come back. So... We'll continue on with the show without him. The A-Team will here once again. We've been doing this since episode 99, carrying this show. So we normally start things off by talking about the latest Ring of Honor on SBG TV show. But this week, they uh, they had their 100th episode. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we set the gauntlet, didn't we, John? For we laid down how the standard, the quality of a 100th episode. And in my opinion, there are several things that make, you know, a 100th episode. Number one is Prince Nana. Number two is 100% <clears throat> excuse me, new content. Number three, Marketh. And number four, some sort of botch outtake reel at the end. And this TV show had none of those things. <laughs> so, so that's a, a terrible episode 100, if you ask me. Um, for those who aren't aware, it was essentially... Um, a look back, a recap at some of the matches from the past 99 episodes with Jay Lethal and Roderick Strong providing their thoughts on it. Um, Stephen actually did write a full TV report on this show whilst in exile. Um, so you can check out ROHworld.com for your full sort of 
run through of what the matches were and whether it's sort of worth checking out. So if you've been watching the TV show since the start, you will have seen all these matches before, but maybe you'd like to see them again, so be sure to check it out. And or... we're not passing over this TV review because we haven't watched it, because we have. Absolutely. I mean, the RHCast Force expect you know, us to know everything about Ring of Honor, to watch the shows every week, to know the inside and out of what is going on in and outside the ring, as Prince Nana would say. So, yeah, we're not glossing over it because we haven't seen it. Um, What was I going to say? You completely threw me off there, John. You were talking about something. uh, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was it. Alternatively, instead of spending the hour reliving past Ring of Honor and SPG TV matches, why not re-listen to RHCast 100? I think that's a much better idea, don't you, John? That was probably one of our best episodes, if you think about it. Because exactly. it really had everything a member of the RHCast force would want to hear. I, thought, <laughs> I, think, it, I think it was perfect. It had the A-team as well. That's, that's another checklist for our 100th episode. Where were we, SBG? We weren't invited. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on from the stupidness, um, we'll get on to the latest Ring of Honor news, which you can always find on the only Ring of Honor forum out there, rohworld.com slash forum. I've realised I've botched that. <laughs> you can just go to rohworld.com. It's now the forum. It's all the same thing. But for all time's sake, if you want to type slash forum, you can. It'll take you there as well. Yeah, yeah. feel free to still type slash forum if you want. Um, go ahead, John. What's the news for this week? Uh, the At uh, Death Before Dishonor 11, September 20th in Philadelphia, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles be on the line for only in the U.S. for only the fifth time in the title's 15-year history hmm. when the Forever Hooligans defend against the American Wolves. And although this is a match we've seen now for the third time this year, this is a pretty special occurrence, I think. Yeah, definitely. It makes sense as well because the the Wolves were the ones to defeat Forever Hooligans um, during their world title reign, or tag title reign. So it kind of makes sense that they then get a shot at the IWGP. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. It should be a great uh, show because I believe that's the one where we finally get to find out who is the new world champion. With this and, semi- also, go on, go on. And, uh, and also it is the Ring of Honor return of Ricky Marvin at that show. Oh, yeah. How could we forget about Ricky Marvin? So, all in all, that sounds like a spectacular show. Hmm. I may make the... Uh, I'm not going to... I was about to say, I may make like the 16-hour drive up to Philadelphia, but that's that's not true. <laughs> and uh, before Death Before Dishonor, there are two more house shows. Uh, Ring of Honor will be trekking through the so- southern U.S. for the probably one of the only few times, maybe the fifth time ever. You're I'm in the South, aren't you, John? I am in the South. There we I'm go. As far south as you can get. Mouth of the South. He's gonna go. He's gonna go see it. But the cards for those shows are coming together, and the Ring of Honor will be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on Friday, September sixth. Uh, the main event will pit uh, the semifinalists of the ROH World Title Tournament against each other in a uh, tag team match, with Kevin Steen and Michael Elgin teaming together to take <laughs> on Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa. Wow, that's a good main event right there. I, I I can't help but agree. I don't know why I, don't know why I worded it like that. <laughs> there are also two singles matches uh, pitting Kyle O'Reilly versus Cedric Alexander and Bobby Fish versus Caprice Coleman. Adrenaline Rush will take on Alabama Attitude. 
Mm. Ring of Honor World Television Champion Matt Taven, alongside Truth Martini, will battle Davey Richards. This is non-title, mm. and as far as I know, it is not even a proving ground match. If you actually go on the Ring of Honor website, there is a, some sort of rule book somewhere that says all non-title matches are proving grounds, but that's never enforced, so I'm assuming it's not. And this card is rounded out by Jay Lethal versus Luke Hawks and Roderick Strong going one-on-one with Raymond Rowe. Hmm. Solid show. I, I, I agree. And the next night, September 7th, Ring of Honor invades Birmingham, Alabama. The main event is the second ever Ringmasters Challenge with Adam Cole taking on Roderick Strong. So, John, as we mentioned this last week, you are the master of the Ring of Honor rulebook, more so than even Kevin Kelly. What are the rules of a Ringmasters Challenge? And I'm putting you on the spot here to see if you can remember. It is a three falls match. Uh, the, best, the first fall is pinfall only. Second fall is submission only. And the third fall is a 15-minute Iron Man match. There we go. And I believe the last one was Roderick Strong, Eddie Edwards, was that? That is correct, Ed. Ed do you remember the show? Oh, I want to say... I don't know, there's probably all the members of the Arts Cast Force are now just showering at their iPods or whatever, saying, I had this show. Was it Death Before Dishonor? No? Can you specify which one? <laughs> nine? No. Yeah, nine. It, it was the first show we ever reviewed for the ROH cast, Death Before Dishonor 9. Nailed it. That's, I'm, I'm surprised I remembered that. Yeah, it was actually the first ever yeah, ROH cast episode 1. We actually talked about that show, so there we go. And so another we're... match that has weird stipulations on this show is the Proving Ground Instant Reward Match. What? I'll explain in a second. It is the World Tag Team Champions Red Dragon taking on Alabama Attitude, uh, the CNC Wrestle Factory, and Adrenaline Rush in a four-way tag team match. If Alabama Attitude, Adrenaline Rush, or CNC win, they get an instant title shot against Red Dragon. Oh, I see. Okay. That's fine. And then there are four singles matches to round out the card, with Michael Bennett taking on Davey Richards, Kevin Steen versus QT Marshall. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Michael Elgin versus Raymond Rowe, and Tommaso Ciampa going one-on-one with Luke Hawks. Yeah. So this could be an interesting. <laughs> I apologize if people are expecting insight when all I go is go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this card seems really top heavy to me. Hmm. Like there are two matches I'd want to see, then the rest are kind of not really. I think I'll make sure you get the review of this then. <laughs> all right. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, if Steven's not here, you can pick which one of these two you want to review. All right. I'll wait to see which one people are talking about better afterwards. <laughs> That's smart. And that wraps up the news for this week. Is that it? That is it. Unless we want to just transition now into results from this past weekend. I, I, or uh, Manhattan Mayhem 5. Yeah, sure. We can, we can do that. I'm surprised. There's not uh... And you wonder why we stopped doing news on our website. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll get into the results and a review of Manhattan Mayhem 5 at the same time. Because um, the show took place this past Saturday. I think it was um, the 17th of August, and uh, it's been on video demand since then on the ROH website, which John has done a full review, which you can read on rhworld.com. Um, John, just a quick question before we get to it: Was it fourteen ninety five like the rest of the shows, or was it bumped up to this new price? As far as I know, it was fourteen ninety five. I didn't really look. <laughs> you just paid for it. Like... I just did. 
Could have been like $149. You're like, well, I gotta pay it. Um, so well, yeah, we'll... go make sure real quick how much it is. <laughs> it is $14.95. There we go. That's that's good. Um, so the show kicked off with uh, Silas Young defeating Adam Page, and instead of me recapping what happened, I'll let John sort of give his thoughts as he's the one that has seen it. And I've actually seen one of these matches, believe it or not. That will shock many of our listeners. But uh, go ahead, John. I thought this was a fine opener. They did a lot of good stuff without going overboard with it, which I think is really important for for an opener. Mm. They had a good match without pulling out all the moves in their repertoire. And I thought they did a good job building up that each man has holds a victory over the other at, one, yeah. at some point this year. So this is the rubber match. And they did a fine job playing off that familiarity with each other with counters and different sequences since they kind of know what to expect from the other wrestler. Mm. And I think both of these wrestlers have very bright futures in Ring of Honor. Adam Page is only 21 years old, and he's already this good. What? I'm older than him. That's terrible. (laughs) I know, and he's already graduated from college. He must have done that in like two years. It took me like five to finish college. (laughs) But, yeah, at only 21, he's already this good. Once he gets some more seasoning and more, I guess, character development and more comfortable out in front of huge crowds, He's going to be something special. And Silas Young, I think, can be somebody in the upper mid-card right now. They just need mm-hmm. to give him the opportunity to showcase what he is capable of doing. And he got the chance to do that here. And I love his finishing move. I think it's one of the coolest-looking moves in Ring of Honor. And it was a great way to kind of get the crowd going. And Silas Young got the winner of Adam Page with that, with that moonsault he does. Awesome. Um, so the second match of the night was the CNC Wrestle Factory, consisting of Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander, defeating Adrenaline Rush, who are ACH, and Tadarius Thomas. Um, some reports said this was a bit sloppy. I don't know. Did that come across when you watched it back? It was a, it was a pretty sloppy match. There was a few instances of pretty blatant miscommunication or or you know people not being where they're supposed to be, but I didn't think it hurt the match too much. I think this was mainly designed to be a spot fest to get the crowd really, really into the show. And for that, I think it succeeded. But there were a few botches, a few slip-ups. I think the worst botch was Cedric Alexander trying to do a springboard move, but he completely missed the top rope and kind of fell straight down across uh, uh-huh. Thomas, and it looked really <laughs> bad. But all in all, I didn't think the botches hurt the match too much. I think ACH came out looking like a superstar. I think... They really need to put the TV title on him. He was by far the most over wrestler in this match. The New York City crowd loved everything he did. Mm. And it was weird. CNC were getting some booze during this match. Hmm. I'm not sure if that's a testament to how over ACH was, or if people think CNC are getting stale, or if it's just the moronic New York City crowd doing what they do best. I think it could be a combination of moronic fans and maybe a slight bit of staleness. You know, it's, it's not... You know, if it was a if CNC were a loaf of bread, it's not gone green and mouldy. It's just a bit dry. You know, he needs uh, needs freshening up or something. So, yeah, we'll have to see if that sort of reaction continues on. I mean, I suppose as you say, it's hard to tell when they're against ACH. I mean, I, I almost said Adrenaline Rush, but it really it's just is ACH, isn't it? That's like a superstar. that's so popular. Yeah, but yeah. one more thing about this match: it was scramble rules, which meant no tags were necessary. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought this it was fine for this match, but they really didn't enforce tags and the other two tag matches on the show either, which kind of made the rules pointless. 
This is, you know, every time this happens, John, you have to tweet Kevin Kelly and let him know these mistakes, like during the hybrid fighting rules and that mixed tag match where they weren't following the rules. You've got to let them know this. I mean, to be fair, the, this wasn't Kevin Kelly's fault. This was the referee's fault for not enforcing this properly. Well, you, you know, you still blame Kevin Kelly, though. Um, actually, speaking of commentary, I believe Prince Nana was on commentary for the whole show, wasn't he? How, how did he fare? Not good. Really? Not good at all. It was pretty bad. Why? Like this, he Surely just him, him talking is, is... I mean, you've heard him on the RH cast before. I think uh, when he's playing a character and says things that doesn't make any sense, it kind of builds into his character. But when he's trying to do commentary and he just says all these nonsensical things, it just doesn't work. Because he said something uh, you, about... You actually sent me a quote. Is that, is that the one you're referring to? Yes, yes. He said stuff like this the other night, but this is the one I, I distinctly me... remember. Have you got it or do you want me to find it? I've got my phone now. I, I can remember. I, I remember it. Oh, go! wow. Go ahead. He goes, history, history is repeating itself, but in a different way. <laughs> Prince Nana, everybody. Um, and then Kevin Kelly just sat in silence for a good like 20 seconds. Just well, no, to, that's, good. that's a good thing. We should get Nana out there more. Trying to put together. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, up next, we had a proven ground match as the TV champion Matt Taven with the House of Truth, the Hoopla Hardys and Truth Martini at ringside, defeated the returning hashtag boom Mike Mondo. And I actually um, was sort of skipping through the show to get to the Ferro Hooligans match, and I like, clicked on this for a little bit. What's happened to Mondo? He looks like a core. <laughs> he looks like Brutal Bob if this was like 1997. <laughs> I don't know what what's happened to him. He, he, I don't know. He even looked... his even his gear was just pure black. Did he lose his gear or something? Like he had nothing on it, and he just had no hair, and it just looked like the most generic guy ever. I I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what happened here, but whatever he was trying to do with this look is not working. So, forgetting that Matt Taven was wrestling a core, how was the actual match itself? Well, before we get to the match, we need to talk about the Hoopla Hotties. Do, oh, do, of course we do. Of course we do. Scarlet was unfortunately absent from this show. But they had a new Hoopla Hottie uh, named Casey Ray. Where does Martini get all these Hoopla Hotties? I, from digging around on the forum, and by digging around I mean reading the Manhattan Mayhem official thread, <laughs> it turns out that she is either dating, engaged, or married to Matt Taven. Wow, I see. That's where they find them. So, so good for Mr. Taven. And there are portions of the match where either her or Salizia would be trash-talking fans, and they'd cut to it, and one fan actually tried to grab one of their butts. Oh, God. And, and, it was, and they just kind of backed away and gave him a dirty, dirty look. Oh, dear. But the match itself, it, was, uh, it started out slow, but actually built some pretty decent drama at the end with some good near falls. Mondo uh, d- didn't harass any of the hoopla hotties, did he? We've seen him in the past. No, I guess oh. that's only Maria he, he tries to go after. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, this built some pretty good drama in the closing minutes with the House of Truth getting involved as they usually do, which I usually think takes away from the match. But here I thought it added quite a bit to it with Casey Ray hitting a nice hurricanrana on Mondo at one point when the referee's back was turned. Hmm. The Book of Truth got involved with Mike Mondo somehow getting a hold of it and a curb stopping. Oh, can't let him read that. No, no, no. I don't think Mondo can read. 
But he curb stomped Matt Taven on the Book of Truth, which I thought was going to bring on the ending. But Taven kicked out. And then he finally, uh, Taven finally got the win with the climax, as, as it's now known. No, Not quite as good as the STDDT, but I still I think, think it's a pretty decent. I think if we just keep saying STDDT, it'll, it'll, get, it'll get through. Like, Team Man Fishing stuck around for a while. We can, uh, we can get this name going. Um, up next. And, and one, one final thing. Go ahead. That's the, uh, the climax or the SDDDT, whichever you want to call it. Mondo took it like a champ. That looked devastating the way he just like fell right on his head. Mm. So Mondo sold it like a million bucks. Um, up next, we had the Forever Hooligans taking on the Young Bucks for the first time ever. And I've actually seen this based on John's review and recommendation, and it was it was worth the watch. I I, I thank you for <laughs> pointing it out to me. It's a really good match, and sort of what you'd expect when you get two great teams like this in the ring. And hopefully, we're going to see more of both of these. I know the Forever Hooligans obviously back um, at Deathfords on a weekend. I don't know if the Young Bucks are, but yeah, both of these teams need to stick around. What what do you think of this match? This is my my favorite Ring of Honor match of 2013 so far. Mm. This match was incredible. It was almost worth the price of the video on demand alone. Wow. I I loved this match. If I, I don't have much to say about it because I usually only point out the negatives when I do my review. <laughs> but this was ama- this was an amazing match. I I loved it. That's the thing. Whenever a match is really good, you you don't want to sort of give it away. You just want to tell people go and watch it. <laughs> exactly. Really like like. This show, I'm, I'm, I was going to save this till the end, but this show, for the most part, isn't must-see other than this match because the three title matches will be aired on free television in the coming weeks. The so, tournament and, matches. Yes. And if and none of the other matches that aren't, won't be televised aren't really going, worth going out of your way to see except this match. Mm. And I think the video on demand might be worth purchasing just for this match alone. Wow. Um, up next, we had Martial Law come out, who were basically demanding a tag team match, and they were interrupted by Prince Nana. I have actually seen this bit, um, and Prince Nana called them something I'm not going to repeat. It was quite similar to what Cheeseburger called Maria, though. It was, sort of, yeah. One was burping, one was guzzling, I suppose it's similar sort of thing. Um, and Prince Nana then, you know, he revealed that he's the new Ring of Honor talent scout. And I think that means, you know, me and you, John, he's going to be recommending Ring us. Then. Yeah. yeah, he's got it. He's going to recommend us to Nigel. You know, I'm British to so Nigel, but yeah, sure, bring him in. Bring him in. And uh, anyway, then these creepy clown mask guys came out who revealed themselves to be Outlaw Inc., Eddie Kingston, and Homicide. And, uh, well,. That's where I had to stop watching because we had to record the show. How was, you know, what did you think of the Outlaw Inc. debut and how was the actual match itself with uh, Martial Law? Mar- Martial Law. Martial Law. I don't Marshall? think it should have been Martial. I don't know. Moving on. I, I don't think it should have been a match. I think it should have been Outlaw Inc. coming out and kind of beating down Martial Law and sending him to the back because the match, it might have been five minutes long. But after the big debut, it really dragged. It really, really dragged. Yeah, reports of this say it was a dud, basically, this match. Yeah, if, if if you want to make Outlaw Inc. look like a dangerous tag team like they're supposed to be, don't have them wrestle a very competitive match against Martial Law, the jobbers of the division. Make them <laughs> make them just go out there and, and destroy them. Mm. But yeah, I, it makes the sense. Entrance, but I thought the entrance 
which was really cool. Ring of Honor did some, you know, did some different camera work. Well, and, and, and did things to kind of make them stand out from uh, the rest of the wrestlers. That, it was almost those... seizure. It was almost seizure inducing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He probably but, but... killed someone. Like, kind of the, the the camera cuts, the speed they were doing was a bit much. I thought. Like, but I thought I thought it was something cool and something they were trying something different mm, and make them I stand out. They, they could do something better than that than just quickly, rapidly cutting forward back and forth between two cameras that are completely different angles to try and give everyone like seizures or something. I, mean, I thought they were going to do something cool with the way Outlaw Inc. was leaving because they had their creepy music playing, and it got to the point where you could only hear the music. Like the crowd is completely drowned out, and the wrestlers talking to the camera is completely drowned out. And I thought the music was going to get louder and louder until it just kind of like. You know how the Wyatt family kind of just cuts to black with like the weird creepy image. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to do something similar with them, but nope. It was just a take. It was just a production botch. <laughs> so after the debut of Outlaw Anchor defeating Martial Law, we then had our three World Title Tournament quarterfinals. We've already had one where Adam Cole defeated Jay Lethal um, to advance to the semifinals, but we had the three remaining ones here. Uh, first, we had Tommaso Ciampa defeating Michael Bennett, who will now take on Adam Cole in the semi-finals at Death Before Dishonor XI-11. So, John, how was this match between uh, Ciampa and Bennett? This was a lot better than I thought it would be. It told a basic story, but I thought it was super effective with mm. Bennett just attacking Ciampa's knee the entire time. And Ciampa sold it really well. And they teased the, a pile driver a few times, Ooh. which I, you know, it's, it's kind of cheap, but whatever. As long as they don't actually do and, one on the apron, then yeah, that's okay. No, no, they they teased one on the apron, but then, oh, <laughs> but the end came when Champa hit the kryptonite crunch on the floor. Oof. Did he what win by count out then, or no, no, he he rolled him back in. Oh, okay, pretty, pretty quickly. But I really liked this match. It it was simple but effective, like I said. It was you know it wasn't a blowaway match or anything, but it was a good solid match. So then we move on to the next quarterfinal where Kevin Steen defeated Roderick Strong with a package power driver. Um, did you say this lived up to the sort of expectation you've had? You know, you know, on paper when you see two names like that in a match, you're going to expect something really good. Did it live up to that? Not for me, but apparently I'm the only one who thinks that. I think you are. Yeah, a lot of people on the forum seem to really like this one. I didn't, for whatever reason, they uh, really went fast-paced to the first maybe three minutes of the match, thro- throwing out most of their signature moves. Mm. And then after that, it seemed like they were just going through the motions until they started reusing a lot of those moves in the closing minutes. Uh, it was a decent match, but it wasn't anything special, I didn't think, especially not considering who was in the ring. It was a major disappointment, I thought. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, then we get to our final quarterfinal match where Michael Elgin avenged his loss against Carl Anderson, who will now advance to take on Kevin Steen in the semi-final at Death Before Dishonor uh, XI-11. I almost said weekend, it's just at the pay-per-view, not the TV tapings. So, how was this match between uh, these two big guys? The match was great, the crowd wasn't. I heard this, yeah. Apparently the crowd were sort of terrible for the most of the second half. Some people who actually attended said. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I was more into the first half of the show because the crowd was more into it. The second half of the show, the crowd was awful, especially in this match. There hmm. were parts where they were doing Hacksaw Jim Duggan chants for no reason. Mm-hmm. 
it's there just were New York, isn't it? Yeah, there were parts where they were after Michael Elgin locked in across, they started chanting Chris Benoit, <sighs> and you can see a guy in the front row pretend to hang himself. Oh yeah. Was... So, so a lot of that, I was like, you know, more. I was more focused on like, the crowd being stupid. It's like, all right, stop making ourselves look like idiots right now, and That's try ridiculous. to appreciate. You know, people always complain for the past few years that Ring of Honor didn't bring in the outside talent, but then when they did bring in the outside talent, they get they get treated like this. They get Chris Benoit chance, yeah. That's they get ridiculous. Chris Benoit chance during a Michael Elgin match as well. I mean, it's not like you know it's martial law out there or something or some some you know some jobbers or whatever. It's it's a the second semi main event of the show. Oh, ridiculous. This is why you know they should bring Ring of Honor over here, John. We won't do any of that over here. We're much more respectful. Won't do any of that in Jacksonville either. So bring Ring of Honor to Jacksonville. <laughs> Um, then that brings us to our main event, and in a new tradition that we started ever since RHCast 100, we have new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Um, Red Dragon have regained their titles by defeating the American Wolves in the main event of Manhattan Mayhem 5. So John, how is this main event, and then we'll perhaps talk about the uh, actual title swap itself. I didn't care for this match that much. It took. What's wrong with you, lo- John? There's all these matches that everyone loves, and you're just no. It it took a lot. It took a while for the action to really pick up in this match, and once it did, it I didn't really like what they were doing. Hmm. Because this, this isn't the first time this has happened, was, though, is it? I remember you weren't a fan of Young Wolves Rising when everyone else. This reminded me of a lot of that because. It was just a lot of moves, moves, moves. They were they completely like disregarded the tag rules. There were times where even people in the crowd were like, Todd, who's the legal man? <laughs> because they'd be like like a good ten minute stretch where all four people would be in the ring, not tagging in and out. They'd just be in there just doing moves to each other. Hmm. And this to me, this match had pretty much all the American Wolves cliches in it. <laughs> uh, you know, like all the stuff you expect to happen in a Wolves match, it happened exactly how you'd expect it to go down. Right, right. I- including, it seems like every time the Wolves lose, one of them gets put through the table at the end. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? That is quite common, actually. Just stop going on that side of the ring if you want to do a move <laughs> off the top rope. Um, but, but I did like <clears> the <throat> ending with Kyle O'Reilly forcing David Richards to tap out. It kind of brought this story full circle and that's a good really justified distribution. And it's kind of justified everything they've been talking about for the past year. Yeah, that's that's a good decision in my opinion. So, what do you think about new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions again? I hope all this wasn't just a ploy to get the belts in Canada to use the Forever Hooligans as smugglers. Yeah. <laughs> I because I think it's kind of stupid that they've changed hands so many times over the past few weeks. And then I just back where they started. And it's right back where they started, which could have made this whole thing completely avoidable. Hmm. Very strange. Very strange. I think it was just trying to get a buzz around the division, but I think it just confused a lot of people because it happened with over the space of what, like four weeks, three weeks, something like that. And you'd see comments on on. On like the Ring of Honor Facebook page, which I know aren't the sort of most intelligent Ring of Honor fans, but they're like, "Wait, the Forever Hooligans are champs," and then, you know, you'd see a picture of the next show with like the Wolves as champs. So it's probably a bit confusing for certain people trying to keep up with it, like with the titles changing all that time, especially when the Forever Hooligans swap didn't actually air on TV until the same day as All Star Extravaganza, which is when they lost the belts. So like, 
it's kind of confusing, and I think they perhaps we probably could have done without the wolf swap. Like, the, yeah, but then the only thing you'd have got two hooligans versus red dragon matches in the span of three weeks, and I think they wanted um, to kind of move yeah. the hooligans around more. To but we're get getting hooligans wolves again anyway. True. True. I don't know. Very strange, but it's it's over now, and unless perhaps we'll be you know talking on 104, and we'll have Camp Cheese as tag champs. Who Maybe knows? this is Ring of Honor's passive aggressive way to get Steven on the uh, back on the ROH cast, trying to get him <laughs> to talk about something major happening. Because now Steven hasn't been on since the since Red Dragon lost the titles originally. So when he comes back, nothing would have changed. Nope. But he would have missed so much. He goes into exile and everything will just be exactly how it was when he left. Very strange. Um, so after the match, Outlaw Inc. reappeared and took out Red Dragon and then cut a promo saying they're not ex-MMA guys. And re- some reports were saying this was basically a scum promo. I mean, what did you think of this post-match segment with Outlaw Inc.? And was there any sort of similarities with scum? The promo did not make it onto the video on demand. What? They uh, they came in and, and quote-unquote broke Kyle O'Reilly's fingers and then kind of walked around the ring for a little bit, just causing kind of a little bit of chaos like that. And then it faded to black. Oh. So that promo did not uh, technically officially happen. Well, apparently what they said is that they put Homicide over as a Ring of Honor original and said that Outlaw Inc. are there to take down the corporation that Ring of Honor has become, and that they're taking over. And then Homicide threw the chairs into the ring. That is what live reports are stating, but without it being on the video on demand, we don't know. So that's interesting. Um, and one final note from the show. Um, the American Wolves were rumoured to be leaving Ring of Honor um, in August when their contracts expire. But they were actually featured on the poster for Final Battle 2011. 20, 2011? <laughs> 2013? I'm sure they were on the poster they were against, for that show, too. They were against each other at that lovely show. Um, yeah, the, the poster for Final Battle 2013. So it looks like they're going to be sticking around for the time being anyway. Which is good. Well, good for Ring of Honor, but perhaps not that good for the actual Wolves themselves. Um... So, any final overall thoughts? I mean, you gave your summary about most of the matches are going to be aired on TV anyway. Yeah, most of the matches you need to see will be aired on television in the coming weeks. So, it really depends on how badly you want to see the Young Bucks versus Hooligans. And I'm sure you'll enjoy the, uh, or other people will enjoy the main event more than I did. So, Mm. it really depends on how badly uh, people want to see those two shows and whether they should order it and how much enjoyment they'll get out of the show overall. I mean, there's no real rush to see the tournament matches because the next tournament matches aren't until end of September, and all of these will be aired on TV by that point, I'm sure. So, as you said, it it all comes down to how much you want to see the tag title match and the Forever Hooligans Young Bucks match. So, um, Now we'll move on to the questions and topics that you've sent in. Um, There's several ways you can do this. You can tweet us at ROH underscore world, you can go on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rohworld, or you can go to rohworld.com and make a post on our forum. So, uh, yeah, we'll get onto those questions and topics now. Still don't like that music. It reminds me too much of 
pre A team era of the ROH cast. You know, it, it's well, top. you are the uh, you are the owner of ROHWorld.com, are you not? Yes. That means you are also the owner of the ROH cast, are you not? That is true. So you can literally change the music whenever you'd want to. <laughs> I'm also the person that plays the music and has them all on my computer, so I could change it. Um, then we have what we used to have a different one, didn't we? I can't remember what it was. Anyway, it, it, uh, was, it was it was just like a quick like doo doo kind of sound it? effect. Yeah. I oh well, this is it. That reminds me even more of Steven. That's that's even worse. We need a new one. Um. Anyway, let's move on to the questions we have. We'll start with Twitter. At 92Cannonball says, Thoughts on the TV show Disconnect with live events? Total changes happening to a team who hasn't even won them yet on TV. Um, what do you think about this? I think that is quite a big problem, the the disconnect between the, the TV and the live events and what was the iPay-per-views. Yeah, I think that's a pretty major problem. They did have the... TV and IP reviews kind of synced up pretty well, but then they kind of had the uh, house shows as a separate entity. And I think now that there are no more IP reviews, they need to promote the house shows better through the television. And just sort of have some continuity. I mean, someone made the point is that I can't remember this directly to verify it, but when the HDNet era was going on, Roderick Strong won the belt after a set of TV tapings had happened and they edited in promos or some sort of videos to sort of pretend as if it had happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, and even, I remember on HDNet days when Austin Aries won the title for the second time, they had a cut-in of just still frames, I think it was, just still pictures from his title win and said, you know, the episodes you're seeing now were filmed before this has happened, but now Austin Aries is the new you know, Ring of Honor world champion. I mean, for example, um... We've just had Manhattan Mayhem 5 this past Saturday. Surely it's it's not asking too much to edit together a, a one-minute segment to shove into the you know August 24th show. It's like, we have new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions and just show some photos. Now available on rxwrestling.com. Because they do... They just feel like outdated shows like because they're taped four weeks in a chunk aren't they in one day and those four weeks won't air for a couple of weeks after the tapings happen and then even then like we're having now with this episode 100 recap show they're not even in a four weeks like continuate continuous slot so it kind of it's weird how they're structured and it and it does as as you know 92 cannibal says it just feels disconnected any other thoughts on that, John? Well, you know how last week we discussed things they can improve with the television show to make it better? Mm-hmm. If it was more connected with the house shows, do you think it would be more enjoyable to watch? I think so, because it would feel like... Because they kind of feel like two separate things to me. Like there's the video-on-demand shows, and then there's the TV. Kind of like before how there was the RH World Forum and the website. They need to do what we've done and merge them so that they feel the same. I think that would it would just add to sort of levels of continuity and help them build stories better, I think. Absolutely. And to to me, I think you can watch all the house shows and never watch a second of television and not miss a single thing. And that's a major problem. 
I think there's. Um, I remember. I don't think this still happens, but I remember during the iPay per view days, a lot of people on the forum would say they'd never watch the TV, but just watch all the iPay per views, and they were fine. Like you don't really need to watch the TV, to be honest. And that's a pretty major problem, I think. Yeah, for for a company that is heavily focused on TV, especially now there's no iPay per views. So moving on, we have uh, at Zman Jets, who actually I believe was at Manhattan Mayhem Five and posted results on the forum. So thank you for that. He says, "Does the introduction of Outlaw Inc." mean we may not see the Briscoes for a while again in ROH? I don't... Go on, I'll let you answer. I don't see how that's related. Hmm. That's my my answer. Yeah, I I can't imagine it, you know, this new team coming in is going to really impact the the return of the Briscoes, whenever that may be. Um, I think it will happen at some point this year, and I'm just... I've said this a few times now, I'm worried that Death for Dishonor... Someone's going to win the bout, and then Jay Briscoe will come out with his bout, and uh, champion versus champion. <laughs> that would be the worst. That would uh, be the absolute worst. And the, the, especially when someone called it on the forum, like the day the tourney was announced. Um, so now we'll move on to speaking of the forum. Um, we'll now move on to the questions that have been posted on there. Um, I should note that the changes that I discussed last week to ROHWorld.com have now been made. The rhworld.com now takes you directly to the forum and we've still kept the results, reviews and podcasts that we have before so if you do want to find out the latest Ring of Honor news it's always there in the general RH discussion board but of course we still have the results and the reviews from all the latest Ring of Honor shows and RHcast itself will be completely unaffected of course you don't want to do anything to that would we John? Absolutely not Um, So we'll kick off the questions from the forum Felka Pat has a couple of questions for us. What former Ring of Honor wrestlers do you think would have paired well with Truth Martini? I think this is a follow-up from last week where we were saying that there's really no one on the roster that matches well, you know, in our opinion, with the current Truth Martini pimp (laughs) style gimmick. I mean, can you think of anyone from the past that might have worked with this? Anyone from the past that might have worked for this? Is there anybody off the top of your head you can think of? I don't know. Because it's just... Pretty far out there. The gimmick is so weird. There's got to be somebody that we're just... Somebody blank obvious. Yeah. I really don't know. I'm sorry, Falco Pat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was a terrible answer. Neither I mean, obviously, just... I mean, obviously, the All Night Express would have been perfect. That is, yeah, that's a good answer, actually. The All Night Express, yeah, that would have been a perfect fit. I think that's you can't answer better than that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a very tough one. Would you rather have a tattoo that reads "soaring and scoring" or one that says "take your pants off"? Now it really, it really matters where these tattoos would yeah, be. Yeah, where is the tattoo going to be, Falco Pat? That's a, you know, are we talking like on the back? Or are we talking like forearm where everyone will see it? That's because they're both where, where, quite. If, either one, where, where if you had a choice, you could get either one. Where would you put it? <sighs> see, take your pants off is so, and it's worse over here because pants are under, underwear, not trousers. So. 
you know, when you say take your pants off, you're literally saying, show me the goods, <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> so, <sighs> soaring and scoring is so bad. I-, I think I'd have to pick soaring and scoring if I had to pick one of the two. I'm trying to think of the most obscure location to put if it. If I got soaring and scoring, you know how people kind of do the uh, collarbone tattoo? Mm-hmm. I would get it like that across the uh, chest collarbone area. And <laughs> then take it. your pants off. I would get it in the uh, – um, what's, what's, what's the uh, cleanest way to say this? The uh, uh, the area – above the area where you, where you would get vajazzled. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I think I'd get like soaring and scoring somewhere really obscure when no one will see it, like my foot or just somewhere out of the way. It'd probably be extremely painful, but if I had to get one of those two, it'd be soaring and scoring and hit in a very small font on the foot. Like on the bottom of your foot? <laughs> Imagine that. That's got to be just agony from somewhere like that. Um, KL underscore, our friend from Poland, has some questions for us. Which ROH wrestler would you like to talk about your life? Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. With which ROH wrestler would you like to talk about life? Sorry, let me... Uh... Oh, Truth Martini. Yeah. Yeah, Truth Truth Martini. Kevin Steen or Prince Nana would be some of the... I mean, everyone's probably listened to The Art of Wrestling with Truth Martini. That was just one of his crazy stories. I'm sure he's got hundreds like that. So I'd love to... Yeah, chatting with Truth Martini would be awesome. Any others, John? Um, I think Caprice Coleman could have an interesting story. Ordained minister. Ordained minister. Um, KL underscore continues. Do you think one day Samoa Joe will return? No. I can't see that happening, to be honest. I mean, he's still in TNA, isn't he? As far as I know, yeah. I don't even know what he's doing these days there, but I can't see him... He's been there for so long now, I can't see him leaving unless Tino goes bust or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I find it very unlikely we'll see Samoa Joe come back. Um, and his final question, do you think ROH TV will reach episode 1000? Now, so bear in the... mind, how long did it... <laughs> didn't Monday Night Raw just hit episode 1000 like last year? Yeah. I'm going to say no. What do you think? I'm going to say yes, because I don't want to be negative. <laughs> 1,000? Think not? about that, John. Okay. What about... Will RH cast reach episode 1,000? It definitely will. <laughs> will, we, will the A-team still be carrying we're, we're the gonna, show? We're going to cruise past 1,000 on our way to 50,000 episodes. <laughs> Just me and you still coming up with stories as where Steven is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you speaking the truth. Oh, of course, yeah. We never fabricate the truth here on the RH cast. But we have a very special segment right now. Now, I played Marcus' music and then read and realised his first statement is, I don't have a question. <laughs> <laughs> 
But he just wanted to tell tell us that it took until just now for him to realise that R.D. Evans and Brutal Bob have the same name. He always knew that R.D. Evans' first name was Robert, and he'd never put it together that they're both Bob Evans. And that is a great point. That is a very good point. I'd never thought of that. And he says, it's somewhat embarrassing since he once proposed the idea of an Evans Brothers tag team name and still didn't realise then that they had the same name. I'd never... (laughs) That's that's, that's brilliant. I've never thought about that either. (laughs) Um, We'll continue with the questions. I think this is our final question of the week. We have one from DX versus NWO. 1994, who says, ah, I think you've already answered this today, John. What is your pick for ROH Match of the Year in 2013 at this point? It seems this year is a little different in that we've had a lot of fantastic matches that are all arguable candidates, but nothing stands out as we've seen in previous years like Black Richards, Richards Edwards, and Elgin Richards. <laughs> a lot of Richards there. Um, so yeah, what I believe you answered this earlier that you say Forever Hooligans Young Bucks is your favorite match from this year in Ring of Honor. Yes, it was. That's a new addition because it was before this. It was Michael Elgin versus Jay Lethal. Yeah, that was that was good, wasn't it? So this is one of those things where sort of late, you know, when Ring of Honor started getting good again, at Glory Barna last year. That through when IPVs ended, it's all sort of blurred into one in my head. So I'm trying to separate what actually happened this year. And without looking at the IPV results on our website, I don't want to answer because I know I'll forget something. I remember Kevin Steen J. Lethal was very good. That was a very good match, at, wasn't uh, it? At 11th anniversary, that was, that was good. And then J. Lethal, Michael Elgin, yeah. that Was that the one where he fell over the ropes? And that became, was. And lost his unbeatableness. That's when he just became hard to beat J. Lethal. <laughs> I think now he's got to a point where even we could beat him. Um, and his final question, what has you more excited? All of the potential Outlaw Inc. tag team matches or all the potential Eddie Kingston singles matches? Now, that to me, that all depends on which homicide we have now. Do we have the sort of disappointing homicide we've seen in recent years although he did have a very good match with uh, Roderick Strong, correct me if I'm wrong Yeah, last year when he made that really brief run he actually looked pretty good But the run before that was terrible Yes, so it all depends for me personally you know, which homicide we're going to get because if it's the, the good homicide of old that we've had you know, in his last appearance against Roderick Strong then we've got matches against the Wolves the Young Bucks, Forever Hooligans, CNC, uh, Martial Law. I don't know if you'd want to see that again. Um, so, I'm, I'm Adrenaline Rush. So, there's a lot of good matches there in tag team. But, you know, what do you think? Are you looking forward to more of the singles or the, the tag? Like you said, it really depends on which homicide we get. If it's the homicide we got last year that looked really motivated and really good in the ring, the tag team matches seem more appealing. But if it's the homicide we got two years ago. Is that the Burrito I, Street Fight homicide? That is. Mm. I would much rather see Eddie Kingston get a singles run because I think Eddie Kingston is a great wrestler. He is amazing on the mic and works really well in the ring too. 
And I just love a lot of the potential matchups there are for him in Ring of Honor. So that wraps up all of our questions. And I don't really think we've talked about this angle much. Because it is sort of the big thing. They had that video. Um, we predicted The Undertaker. And <laughs> I realized this after we recorded the show. That some people probably listened to this like for, for insight on Ring of Honor. And you look on the forum when that video aired. And everyone was like, Eddie Kingston homicide. Eddie Kingston homicide. You listen to our podcast, we're like Undertaker, and then, <laughs> and then we were like, and then John, you said to me, hmm, "Who do you think it really might be?" And none of us could come up with anything, and everyone on the forum just had it. We were just like Undertaker. Oh dear. So, are you excited by this, the potential of this angle? And I, I'm a bit concerned. It sounds very similar to Scum. Well, if they didn't air that promo on the show, it kind of gives me hope that that was just something for the crowd and that mm. it's not something they're going to actually run with. Mm. Now, are they actually with Prince Nana? Or is Prince Nana just bringing They kind of hyped it up as they, that, that was that Prince Nana's first big signing as the Ring of Honor talent scout. Okay, okay. Is he just? I can just see Prince Nana getting all the Ring of Honor's budget and just hiring big but Asian women to the roster. <laughs> massive women of honor roster that suddenly appears with the influx of nana talent that he's bringing in um so yeah I'm, we'll have to see how this outlawing thing goes i'm they're trying to make it a big deal but obviously it seems the, like it has the potential to be like one of the creepiest things of all time yeah yeah i mean with with the problem of being cut it's hard to get a you know to judge how things are going to pan out so we're just gonna have to sort of wait and see and hope it's not too similar to scum because we don't want that again, do we? Um, so that actually brings an end to episode 103 of the ROH cast. We do hope you've enjoyed this week's show. We thank you. Of course, the ROH force enjoyed the show. It's the A team. <laughs> the ROH force. Well, um, so yeah, I do hope we do. Hope that just enjoyed. proves that we are the A team. Um, thank you to each and every one of you for listening to the show. We do appreciate you taking the time to listen to us, and we. Really appreciate all the questions you send in because they provide the sort of the bulk of the show. They give us something to talk about every single week. So yeah, be sure to send those questions in for next week's show. Um, if you'd like to leave some feedback, you can do that via any of the ways I mentioned earlier, or email us to contact at rohward.com, or feel free to leave a review on iTunes. If there's anything you don't like, feel free to tell us. We're always trying to improve the show after a uh, hundred and thirty episodes. Hopefully, it's it's decent enough by now. Um, do you like the A team? How is this working with just two of us? We we've been doing this uh what like four or five weeks now. So is just two people working, or do we need to try and get someone in for th- a third every single week? Let us know. Um, so yeah, that brings an end to episode 103, and uh, I'm sure we'll be here next next week, won't we, John? The A team will be here as always. Don't know if Stephen will be. You can have to tune in to find out. So we'll see you all next week. <laughs>